Today's episode of The Ride Podcast is brought to you by The Click Ring. Wear the ring and show the world that you can live your line at clicring.com. Welcome, fellow riders. This is your host, Rusty James. It is Tuesday, September 8th, 2015, and this is The Ride. Well, I hope you all had a nice extended weekend. I know we did as a family. Getting ready to go back to work. Thank you, Lord, for my job and my work. Doing a little bit of study of Exodus this morning. Saw a few things that were kind of new to me and wanted to share them with you all. Did you know the story of Moses? You know, you probably know the story, so I'm not going to belabor all of that. But Moses, as he was growing up, he knew that he was part of the family of Israel. And when it came time for him to leave Egypt, because he ran for his life, because he had killed somebody uh, he went off into the wilderness for a long time almost a lifetime in the wilderness and then the Lord called him back to help bring the people his people into the promised land is really what it was to be that was the call so his job was to go back and have the people of Israel leave Egypt and go to a place that God had for them. And I never really got this, but God said to Moses, you will be, I'm going to call you to go talk to Pharaoh and you will be like God and Aaron will be like a prophet. And I thought that was really wild that he described it in that way. So, as you imagine, Egypt is like a type of the oppressor, right? So who oppresses us in this day and age? Well, our enemy would oppress us. How does our enemy do that? with cunning lies in such a way that we are convinced that we are captive if we believe those lies. We believe we're captive. But are we captive? I would say that we're not. I would say that we are free because what God did for us by sending Christ. In fact, the plagues of Egypt, they're fascinating to listen to the story. You know, early on in the plagues, as they would happen, Pharaoh had his own conjurers able to perform the the wonders, the signs and wonders, and didn't think much of it still kind of 
confuses me a little bit because, you know, how the story is given to us in Exodus. For example, the the turning of the river to blood, and it caused blood to be everywhere. I mean, even in bowls and everywhere, the water turned to blood. I don't know how in the world the conjurers could have done something like that. But how, whatever, Pharaoh wasn't that convinced. But when it came down to one of the plagues was they, they were to look at the dust, which there was dust everywhere, and the dust became gnats. Just gnats everywhere. On people, everywhere there was dust, there would be gnats. And... Uh, the conjurers couldn't do that one. And then the the magicians, Pharaoh's magicians and conjurers said, Surely this is the hand of the Lord. And so Pharaoh would ask Moses to pray that that plague would be taken away. And Moses would a lot of the time say, Yeah, okay, the next day I will pray. Or when I leave here, I'll pray. And, you know it'll go away and every time that happened Pharaoh would harden his heart as soon as things got better and Moses had been telling Pharaoh you know I what we need to do is we need to go out and perform our sacrifices and Pharaoh wanted to know, well, who all do you need to do those sacrifices? And Moses says, we need everybody. Men, women, children, all of our livestock, everything. And at some points he would say, fine, go, go do the sacrifices you need to do. But I want to know how far you got to go to do it. You know, you're going to go just outside of town. What's the deal? And some new plague would come, and Pharaoh would say, Okay, you can go do your thing. I've sinned, go do your thing. But pray that the plague will go away. He would pray that the plague would go away, Moses would, and it would clear up, and then Pharaoh would harden his heart again. This is the thing that really, I don't know if it bothers you, but... God hardened Pharaoh's heart. I don't know, something to me just tells me that that's just not fair. You know, here he's doing all these things, but God hardened Pharaoh's heart. It's almost like he didn't have a choice in the matter. But I guess, I guess Pharaoh didn't believe in God or didn't believe in him or believed, maybe he believed in his gods more. Maybe that's what it was. Because he would harden his heart, and though God was hardening his heart, I guess he, he was speaking his own words. I don't know, it just seems, I don't know, it's just something I think about, you know. I guess you, you figure that, okay, fine, yeah, he hardened his heart, but he is making his own choice, I don't know. So not until the final plague 
which was the Passover where the destroyer or the spirit of God had passed through the land and killed the firstborns of the animals and of the people all throughout Egypt. And the way that the Israelites were spared is they had a specific sacrifice they had to make and apply the blood from the sacrifice to the door above the door and on the sides of the doors and they were to not leave the home that night and that they were having a Passover meal and it was a certain prescribed meal with unleavened bread and eating the sacrificed animal that had been prepared over a fire. And God had told Moses that in the process of this describing the method on how they would be passed over, death would pass over them and, and not affect them. Something interesting was described that the Israelites, after this had happened, they were to recognize the firstborn of the families I'm going to find out what it says because it was important the firstborn we're talking the human firstborn were set apart as a reminder of what God had done during the Passover okay I'm back I had to pull over and uh find where I was looking in Exodus about the firstborn. It was actually consecrate the firstborn. And it was uh, important that the firstborn were consecrated to God. Now what I'm reading here doesn't fully explain what that means, but it's not like you're sacrificing your firstborn. I believe the firstborn of the animals might have been sacrificed. I do know that for the... Well, actually, I don't remember if the firstborn was sacrificed for the actual Passover meal or not. Now I'll have to look further into that one. But anyway, here's the thing that was interesting to me. And that is uh, the consecrated firstborn child it talks a little bit about marking the hand and the forehead. I thought that was pretty interesting. Because as we, as many of us probably know, that that's the terminology used to refer to end times things where people will not be able to buy and sell without the mark on the forehead or the hand. And I thought that was really interesting that that's referenced here. Let me read this to you. In the days to come when your son asks you, what does this mean? And this is referring to the consecration of the firstborn. Say to him, with a mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the hand of slavery. When Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed the firstborn of both people and animals in Egypt. This is why I sacrifice to the Lord, the first male offspring of every womb, 
and redeem each of my firstborn sons. And it will be like a sign on your hand and a symbol on your forehead that the Lord brought us out of Egypt with his mighty hand. Makes me wonder, you know, when when I have these podcasts, I'm just kind of thinking out loud. So I haven't done a full in-depth study of this. I guess now I'm going to have to do some more to understand the significance of the hand and the forehead business because is that a symbolic thing when uh, when we're talking about that and then maybe the end times discussion of marking the hand and the forehead or is that a literal thing when I read it like this it almost feels like it's a more of a symbolic thing but when I when I look ahead and how the future could go, I can easily see I can easily see there being some form of identification on the person. It, in fact, it's just really weird to me that that would have been brought up way back then. But I suppose one way to identify people even back then would be things like tattoos to uniquely identify somebody, stuff like that. I mean, they probably didn't have driver's license back then, right? So maybe it's not that far-fetched to think of some marking on the person to identify who you are. But it not it really wild to think that we've almost come full circle and that kind of thing we can easily see that now I remember not too long ago when this whole idea of going to a fast food place and paying with your credit card was new and how it just seemed almost dangerous that you could actually just go and pay and you know what happens if you if you grab somebody else's card and paid with it you know how how you're protecting yourself it just seemed really easy to do that and then now the the newer cards have a chip in it and we're starting to see these point of sale areas where you stick your card in and you know, it's getting the ID from that, but there's something else that it's doing. It's probably marking your card with new information. You know, that chip, if I understand it right, has a capability of holding some information. And I can see the next step. Well, the other thing, too, is at a point-of-sale terminal, I think some of these cards, just like with a cell phone, you just wave your cell phone over it, and it reads it. So I can see a day, I mean, I can easily see the next method as some kind of a, 
a chip or something that's in you, I mean, it makes sense to do that. In the natural, it makes all the sense in the world. And, you know, if we didn't have scripture that's telling us that this kind of thing, you know, that we wouldn't be able to buy or sell without this mark, that uh, if we didn't have that scripture, it would just be, I can, I can just see us as, a, as the culture just adopting that and, you know, no big deal. Aren't we already putting chips in our kids so that we don't lose them? Or I know we're doing it with animals. I should look to see what Scripture's saying about that mark. I used to be so worried that, oh, how do we know if we're getting the mark? Because we're not supposed to get the mark. And it's been a while since I looked into that, so I'm just going to go off the cuff a minute here. But I always pictured that, that you would know if you are... For example, I think, I think that for you to take that marking, whatever it is, that there would be some form of a clear statement that you would be making that would reject your salvation or, I don't know, it just seemed to me like for it to be a reasonable, obvious thing we shouldn't do, that it would have to go against what we know Scripture to say. Maybe it's just the fact that we're not supposed to take a mark. Maybe that's all we have to rely on. Maybe if you can't buy and sell without the mark, then you have to be fully dependent on God. Hmm. That's interesting. Are we supposed to be, are we supposed to be living that way anyway? That's quite a remarkable thing. You, let's take it right back to Egypt again. God told the Israelites, when you're doing this Passover meal, you need to be eating it prepared to go with your... You have to have your, uh, your robe tucked into your belt kind of thing, and, get re- and you need to be ready to go. I think you're supposed to even eat it standing up. In your house, obviously in your house, because if you went outside the house, you weren't covered by the blood. But you had to get ready to go. When the Israelites were getting ready to go, they had to be fully dependent on God. Right? They brought their unleavened bread. This was interesting. They brought their unleavened bread in containers and they'd wrap it with clothes they'd bring that with them but they were leaving Egypt now they were bringing their livestock but they were leaving Egypt this is where they would get their food you know the flour that they used for their bread would would come from somewhere So they were leaving, and they had to, what, depend fully on God. And of course, they had no idea how much they were going to be dependent on God, but they they must have known, you know, we're going to have to be figuring something out. We got, you know, 600,000 men here, and then the rest, so easily over a million people. 
And we're going to have to be feeding them. Well, they got to fully rely on God. And they didn't know how much because when they got to the Red Sea and the chariots were following them, When they realize that's going on, then they then they realize oh, we're going to have to we're going to have to rely on God here. There's nothing we can do on on our own. So I should study that whole end time stuff some more, but that whole business about buying and selling, I can see that happening easily in my lifetime. I can see that happening easily in ten years where there will be some kind of a marking or some kind of a chip for us to be able to buy and sell. You know, how, what's the Christian's response to that? What are we supposed to be doing? There's another thing. One of the plagues was darkness. And you know how I was kind of complaining a little bit about how the fact that God hardened Pharaoh's heart? Well, I keep coming back to this idea, this thought, that you could almost look at this planet, and I'm not talking just the United States here, though I, I will say that there's a darkness over the United States, without a doubt in my mind. So I guess I'm biased. Sorry, all the uh, the foreign listeners. I am biased. I am a proud United States citizen, and it pains me to see my country in the state it's in right now. But kind of, I'm wondering if, like with Pharaoh. The Lord allows certain hearts to be hardened. Why? To bring about what His will is. His will was for, in the Exodus, His will was that the children of Israel would find freedom. That was His ultimate will for them. Did they find that freedom when they left right following the Passover? Yes, they, they found a freedom from Egypt. But then they were, they were in the middle of other dire situations, which they needed to rely on God for their freedom from that. And f once they got into the promised land, were they completely free? Well, they got into the place God wanted for them, but they had things to do. They had to conquer the land. They had to take the influences of that land and devote them to God or have them be destroyed. So there's always this element where we have to rely on God no matter where we're at. So now in our country and even in our world, you look at what's going on over in Greece, you look at what's going on in Germany where the refugees 
are escaping Syria, and a lot of them are going into Germany. I think we, my wife has friends in Germany who are hosting some refugees. There's a darkness that's over this planet. And it's almost like the Lord is hardening the hearts of certain human principalities and powers in order for his plan to be accomplished. And I keep wondering if it isn't that that's going on to bring about the ultimate plan of the Lord, which is to bring judgment on this planet. And these are just some of the signs that have to take place before that happens. And as Christians, what are we to do? Well, we're to rely on the Lord. Just like the Israelites, they had to rely on the Lord. Didn't make their day necessarily any easier, but when you relied on the Lord, you had the solution before you. And it was always before them, by the way. Day or night, they had the, the pillar. Uh, during the day, they, they have a pill, like a cloud before them, and then at night, they have the pillar of fire. But it was always before them. As long as they followed that, they were going the way that God wanted them to go. So the Word of God for us is kind of like that pillar of fire in the darkness of this age. So it's raining right now, and I'm just about at my destination. So I guess that means the podcast is just about done today. I guess my challenge to us all today is to remember that our Lord has given us some direction and we can always rely on him no matter what he provided the Israelites manna in the desert their daily bread and he will provide that for you and we will take a look at some of those end time statements coming up I'll make a little note that we need to look at the mark on the foreheads and on the on the hands and we'll take a look at that in coming episodes okay so encouragement today let's pray before we uh, depart Lord God we ask for your hand and your spirit to be upon us today everyone listening we ask that you would guide us help us to see your your word in scripture help us to abide by your word And as we go through each day, remind us that you are our provision. You provide what we need to live on. And help us to not rest in the ways of the world, but to seek your kingdom first. We thank you, Lord, for being with us today. Help our eyes to see things new every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, excellent. Stay in the word. Live in peace, pray for those who persecute you, and live each day knowing that the Lord is directing your steps. And I will see you on the flip.